Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 272. Bit of a condensed episode here on Labor Day as Kevin and I uh, are doing two quick segments and then we're doing a very short, very exciting FTL Sports Premier League uh, preview as that starts this weekend and I'm very excited. Uh, this week we'll be talking about uh, CDC reports. Uh, we'll be talking about the Doomsday Report history lessons, the Weimar Republic, a little bit of golf board games, history lessons, Dancing with the Stars, new dictionary words, and a weirdly long segment about Metallica. All this, folks, and our Premier League preview, which I'm sure a lot of you won't stay for. But for those who do, Premier League this weekend, we're excited. It's the Uticast episode 272, folks. Enjoy your Labor Day. We are happy to have you here. Kev, how you feeling on Labor Day Monday? Uh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. How are you celebrating Labor Day today? There's no, there's no holidays this year. Well, what are people... That's true. There are... <laughs> there's no holiday. Your Labor Day. It's Monday. Uh, well, so because it's Labor Day and because Monday and people come back from vacations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't... I had a couple of people I was going to reach out to... Um, but I don't want to, I don't know. It's Labor Day. People relaxing after mm. coming back from stuff on Mondays. I'm not going to drag someone to do a Zoom message. So mm. a little special episode this week, not special, a different episode this week. Kevin and I are going to do two straight segments. Mm. And then at the end of the show, for all you uh, sports fans out there, we're going to bring back a very special edition of FTL Sports mm. uh, for the lads. Because for folks who don't know, uh, the Premier League returns this weekend. Uh, on Sunday, so Justin and I will talk a bit about our predictions for the Premier League and how excited we are. We'll also do a little NFL preview, so for all you non-sports uh, folks, you can tap out after segment two if you don't want to hear Justin and I wax poetic about soccer players you've never heard of. Right. <laughs> It'd be me. Yeah. I'm out. Well, I was gonna. you can come on if you want. I was going to ask you, but like, I don't know if you want to talk mm. about the NFL or yeah, yeah. Yeah, soccer, but... Uh, so let's see. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the last few days and quick thoughts. Yeah, I have a couple quick thoughts. I am doing the Weimar Republic, so y'all, y'all folks get ready for it. It's coming. Real history lesson for you folks. But I guess we'll start with some quick notes, Kev. I got a couple things to share with you. Sure. Uh, yesterday, right. you unfortunately had an event that sort of tied you down, but uh, I went out for a Maiden Utica-esque golf outing mm. in the morning, which is something I haven't done in Utica in a very long time. Right. Went golfing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Ohio not too long ago. Sure. But I haven't gone out to Stonebridge and go golfing. That's where we were last night. I had a really nice time. I calculated the scores. You'd asked me who won the game yesterday. It was between me, uh, last week's guest, Mark uh, Justin Parkinson, and the Utica Zoo's Mark Simon. Uh, I had a 56. It's not great. Mm. 56 is not good. Uh, Justin had a 49, and Mark Simon was the winner with 48. So Mark Simon... Officially the best golfer. Although, I looked at the scorecard. Mm. I gotta tell you, I pulled the scorecard up here. You can't see it. it. Looks a little conspicuous how many 
that Mark doesn't have any strokes over six. And I feel like I saw him take more than six strokes. Mm. A couple of these holes. I'm not saying that people don't lie about their golf scores regularly. Right. I just think you got to be a little more honest with your lying, is all I'm going to say. you got to mm. be a little more obvious. I see. So I'm saying, Mark. So you're contesting the, I'm not the cont- scorecard. I know that I lost. <laughs> no matter. So just asking questions. I'm just just asking questions. Uh, so that was sort of how I celebrated Labor Day yesterday. And then, out of nowhere, as I was getting ready to essentially uh, just sort of watch TV and hang low and kind of get ready for the show today, I had some uninvited guests here at the podcast studio yesterday. Around mm-hmm. 9 o'clock, Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson and Kate Riley and their dog, Baby, showed up unannounced at my house to challenge me to a game of Scrabble. Mm. So we, do, <laughs> we did a hard board game night, which is why Rummy Cube is also on the table. I see. Scrabble and Rummy Cube. It was a big board game evening. Mm. Uh, and let me tell you, I got, I got, there were some cheating allegations thrown out at me for playing Scrabble. To which my response is, the only cheating you can do in Scrabble is having a good vocabulary. There's yeah. no cheating to be done. I just have an amazing vocabulary what, of how, words. How are you accused of cheating? Oh, I'm always cheating somehow. Everyone's cheating. What do you mean, though? If Well, Justin doesn't believe anyone can win anything, number one. So if I won that game, I must have had to cheat somehow. Right. I believe it was the rules were not properly explained before the game started, I believe. It was Everybody the, knows the rules. To scra- it's Scrabble. <laughs> Well, the question was, when does the game end? It's when one person goes out. When the first person to get rid of all their tiles goes out, that's the end of the game. Mm. And then whoever's got tiles left over, those go against your score, right? So if you have a 10 left over or a 1 left over, you minus that from your total score. Mm. Okay? Mr. Parkinson claims that because he didn't know this, he was hoarding tiles till the end. He would have played the tiles. No. <laughs> he would have played the tiles out had he known this rule change. Uh, I'm just saying I scored 42 points at the word joint. So that's you guys got to learn to play the board. You got to use the big letters. You got to use the triple word score. You got to know what stuff is in the board. Scrab- that's just Scrabble. That's just Scrabble. That's just so Scrabble. I don't feel bad about that at all. Yeah. Uh, Rummy Cube's a hard game. Don't play it. Um, it looks terrible. It's gin rummy with tiles instead of cards. It's a little yeah. uh, odd. <laughs> And then the other quick note for this week is um, the Mulan movie came out in mm. theaters this week. Uh, I have a question, you know, I guess it's more for, it's not a question, it's for the listeners. Sure. People seem really excited about this movie. Um, I don't have any thoughts about it because I have to tell you, I've never actually seen the original Mulan. I know that's a hot take. You're missing out. That's what everyone says to me if I say that. Sure. There's no particular reason I've never seen it. I just that was just missed it. Just missed it, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm not as excited to see this for any particular way because I never saw the first one. So this is like so watch the first one. So watch just the first one instead. Just watch the first one. Well, then then you can watch the other one. So my question really about this is not about this movie or all the terrible talking points I'm seeing out on the internet about it because people are mad. There's no dragon. Sure. And there's no songs. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, it's thirty dollars if you want to rent this movie to watch it. Is $30 too much for you personally to watch a movie in your home, like a first-run movie? Uh, for Yeah, probably. For me to watch that movie, certainly. Well, I guess even if it was a movie you really... Like, if Tenet was out for $30 right now, you think you'd be willing to pay $30 to watch Tenet in your know, home? I don't know if Tenet's a $30 movie for me. That's kind of what I... It, $15? Yeah. I could probably talk myself even into Mulan for $15 if I really Same wanted to. Same price you pay if you go. Here, I would imagine if you live in a bigger city, it is more expensive to go to a movie. It, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think 30 seems like a lot. 
Mm. I'm not. I don't know if I'm willing to pay thirty dollars for a first run movie in my house. If you're paying thirty, you've kind of got to own it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, just you be should into- have a copy to keep after. You should be able to download it for $30 <laughs> yeah. and then have the movie. Uh, like I was saying, I think all these movies should be free anyway. We should just be able to watch all the movies for free. Mm. It's art, guys. You can't you can't put a price on art. We're, gonna talk, we're actually going to talk about often put a price on we're, art. We're actually going to talk about that in our history lessons this week. All right. We are doing history lessons later on. They're very short this week. Uh, they just happen to be. And that's fine, because I'm going to do a proper history lesson here with you folks right now. An actual history lesson that I've talked about with my kids in school. Kevin, what do you know about the Weimar Republic? Um, Without me pressing you on it. I mean, I, nothing. Tell me more. <laughs> no, I like to, I'm curious, like, what you... Were you familiar with the with what the Weimar Republic was before I started talking about it last week? Just, like, the standard garden variety, like, the high school history education of it. Uh, I just think it's a really interesting uh, time period that sort of gets overlooked. So I wanted to give you guys a really quick overview because I've seen a lot of people talking about it. There's a lot of like hot takes where like, we're in the Weimar Republic in the United States right now. Uh, I'll give you the story. You guys tell me what you think about it. All right. First off, you got to go back. Uh, there was a gentleman uh, who was the, he was the Kaiser of Germany, Kaiser Wilhelm. Uh, and Kaiser Wilhelm wanted to make Germany a military nation and strengthen their armed forces. He resigned in Germany, uh, resigned over Germany from June 1888 until his abdication of the throne. He on, resigned? He did resign. Uh, he gave up the throne shortly before Germany's defeat uh, in World War One. I. I see. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, his guarantee of military support to Austria-Hungary during a 1914 crisis is actually what helped result in the outbreak of World War One. Uh, so even though he wanted to bring Germany into a national military power, he resigns shortly uh, before their defeat in World War One. And what comes in to sort of fill in the gaps is what we refer to as the Weimar Republic. Uh, so ni- November 1918, Germany surrenders. In 1919, the Treaty of Versailles is signed, and it deprives Germany of various territories, demilitarizes the country, and forces Germany to pay heavy reparations. Uh, at the end of World War One, you know, they decide to come in and help a... Uh, an imperial government comes in to end. Uh, come, ah, pardon me. The imperial government comes to an end, and the German leaders create a democratic government known as the Weimar Republic. And to be fair, the Weimar Republic is actually relatively progressive for this time. Women are allowed to vote. There's a Bill of Rights, and multiple political parties are able to form. The problem that comes with the Weimar Republic is they don't have any money, and they're also not really on any particular side. They're criticized by both conservatives. Uh, and folks on the left. Conservatives thought the Weimar Republic wasn't strong enough to validate what, you know, to, to stand up for what Germany needed to do. And leftists and communists wanted more of a change. They saw what was happening in Russia and said, no, we need to go farther in this direction. So there really was no support for the Weimar Republic uh, in the country at the time. A lot, of German, a lot of Germans are still angry about the Treaty of Versailles. Treaty of Versailles essentially blames Germany for everything that happens in World War I. It totally destroys their economy. Uh, and it impacts German nationalism, sense of pride. It really, everyone really throws a lot on Germany. They're paying all the reparations for multiple countries in Europe. Uh, and because of this, Germany experiences rampant inflation. However, during this time, from 1924, from 1924 to 1929, uh, the Weimar Republic actually goes into a period of strong ep- economic uh, resurgence. They start to become a more prosperous nation. And the reason this happens is they start getting loans from the United States. So the United States starts loaning out money to the Weimar Republic, and suddenly uh, things aren't going quite so bad. Mm. The problem is, in 1929, the United States 
goes into the Great Depression. So, as the U.S. goes into Great Depression, all of the money they are sending out to the Weimar Republic, uh, it just... It stops. And now the Weimar Republic can no longer pay off their reparation debts to other parts of Europe. Mm-hmm. And other parts of Europe also start can't, uh, also start having problems paying because they're not getting that money. And Europe itself goes into a depression. I think a lot of people think of the Great Depression as an American-only thing. Mm. But the Great Depression affected the entire world at this time. Yeah, of course. Uh, so really, the, great, the American Great Depression, as we want to refer to that, is really sort of the last blow for the Weimar Republic. And at this point in time... People are losing faith in the Weimar Republic, and it opens up the door for uh, Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party to sort of step in uh, and find a way and say that they can stop the fall of Germany and they can bring national pride back up. And there you go. So the Weimar Republic, in general, is that sort of easy landing way uh, between uh, World War One and allowing the door to be opened for Nazi Germany in World War Two. There you go. As my quick Weimar Republic lesson. Kevin, did you learn anything from that? The rundown. Um, some specifics and details, certainly. You know what I mean? Some, some associations of like specific years that things mm-hmm. happened. You know what I mean? Some yep. things like that. Yeah, the Dawes plan in the U.S. was actually like the big part of it. Dawes plan outlined a plan for Germany to pay a more reasonable amount of reparations. And that was actually what mm. spearheaded the sort of good period of the Weimar Republic. Right. Uh, and then, of course, Great Depression happens and back down the tubes. All right, there's your history lesson for the week. Again, like I said, the other history lessons are much shorter this week. Mm. Kev, are you ready to get into some more national news for this week? Oh, I suppose. Uh, Let's start with this one. Uh, There was a report that came out from the CDC earlier this week saying that 94% of United States COVID deaths had contributing conditions to them. Uh, According to the reports, only 6% of deaths uh, from COVID uh, have, uh, have COVID as the only cause mentioned in death. Now, the reason I'm bringing this article up is I've seen a lot of people using this report as, like, a justification to say, like, see, like, COVID's over. Like, we can go back into the real world. And that, I feel like that's not the case. All this report tells me is that we have a way more underlying issues in our in our country than we thought of. This is a junk science reports for idiots who don't understand medicine. Full mm. stop. Um, wow. I, don't, I don't really know what else anybody wants. This is irresponsible reporting. Note, this comes out of the CDC right after the Trump administration took full control mm-hmm. of the CDC and the numbers that they're putting out. This is the perfect example. It's everything that is, is, is put out as a headline. And people are like, oh, wow, maybe there's something going on here just because they don't understand how like medicine and death in hospitals works. Yeah, uh, We can dig into how medicine and death in hospital works, <laughs> but it it uh, we don't really need to here, but this is stupid. Okay. This yeah. Is, full stop. This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Like, I've just seen. I've seen it brought up in multiple arguments everywhere I go now, and I was like, I don't think you guys understand. Nobody anywhere yeah. dies of like a single thing when somebody yeah. dies. That's not the way that like death and disease work. That's not the way that medical autopsies work. That's not the way that you know. It's just not how anything works. Yeah, it's like if you have diabetes and you <sighs> get killed by a bear. The bear is what killed you. It wasn't the diabetes, right? You may have had diabetes already, but it was the bear that put you over the edge, I feel mm. like. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about something else. This is a, another sad story. I think every story is a sad story. Uh, more than 1,000 protesters marched in Rochester for the fifth night in a row on Sunday, calling for justice in the death of Daniel Prude in police custody. Uh, latest demonstration came after the mayor and police chief reaffirmed that they have no intentions of resigning after calls earlier this week, saying they believe they are the best people to help reform the city following Prude's death. 
Attorneys for Brute's family released the police body camera video from the encounter this month, even though it happened in March. This is a very sad video. I'm sorry. You've seen it already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad to see people protesting in the streets in Rochester for this. It was, it was a terrible video. Again, another in a long line of videos that come out showing police brutality against minority communities. So, Correct. Yeah. I, I think, again, you're going to see... This happening in more and more places. The more these videos come out, the more you're going to see protests all over the country. And yeah, good. Yeah, and I'm not. It's not a. I'm not denying really? it's a good thing. I just, I, you know, people. I think you see a lot of people like, oh, there's going to be a new civil war coming, right? That's like the big thing I'm seeing a lot of people say. Um, and it's interesting is all these. It's not like these protests are regionalized. They're happening all over the place in every different community in all different states. It's not just like, oh, it's not like the civil war, the north and the south, right? Like it's. All these communities are so ingrained now. So the idea of like people fighting with their neighbors is very scary in a way that, you know, I can't imagine. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's I, pretty. It's pretty unrealistic. I'm not super concerned about a civil war. I know. I see a lot of people talking about it on the internet. People be saying specifically. I mean, people <laughs> yeah. be saying like also every single one of our intelligence agencies is reporting that people be saying, including still Russian bot farms, saying mm. trying to sow this dissent and put it out there. Got to be critical of what we read on the internet. Just people are saying shit on the internet doesn't mean mm. people are saying shit in the streets. Uh, all right. I hate to do it. Let's dig into Trump land. We got a couple quick Trump stories this week. Great. Uh, what were your... Did you have any particular thoughts about the Trump story from the Atlantic about him calling the vets losers and, and suckers? Uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. None of this surprises me. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's the... That's who this person is. Like, yeah. this is... Yeah, why, I don't... Yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> it, he did. It sounds like something he would say. Totally. <laughs> so he said it on camera about John McCain and other guys like that. You know what I mean? You know, that's what I've seen a lot of this week is a lot of people doubling down and they're like, well, I don't feel bad about what he said about John McCain because I don't like John McCain personally. Of course. I'm like, okay. Of course. It's, it's just it's just that sea lion and bullshit, yeah. the disingenuous garbage to confirm your own biases and beliefs. Uh, Jeffrey Goldberg, who is the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, said that his magazine story about Trump calling Americans who died in battles losers and suckers was just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, This is from Goldberg himself. I would fully expect more reporting to come out about this and more confirmation and new pieces of information in the coming days and weeks. We have a responsibility and we're going to do it regardless of what he says. Uh, He also goes on in this article to say, to sort of defend the use of anonymous sources. He said... We all have to use anonymous sources, especially in a climate where the President of the United States tries to uh, actively intimidate other people. Uh, these people are not anonymous to me, which I think is a really strong quote. I love that quote. Yeah, of course. That's that's how journalism has worked since we've had journalism. Like, Deep Throat, Watergate, all that stuff broke. That's People, it's, it's irresponsible to give oxygen to these people who claim that anonymous sources is an issue. We've always had anonymous sources in journalism. It doesn't mean that some guy called and was just like... Oh, I know this thing reported. <laughs> I got some news. Oh, I just got a call from some guy. And it doesn't mean that all these people are making it up. I mean, when you have these, he has, he's got his anonymous sources. He's got four separate sources. Then it was confirmed by every major news organization in the country. What that means is every single news organization, AP and Reuters and Fox News who confirmed it, and, you know, whoever else it was, they all call. They get the same source. The source confirms directly with them, like, yes, this is true, but no, you can't print my name with it. Then they go with it. That's journalism. This is an institution in America. And this notion that just because it says anonymous sources, it's somehow invalid, and that's a real claim that anybody should even respond to like a serious person is just uh, ridiculous. 
Ridiculous. You actually brought up Watergate. Carl Bernstein, the investigative reporter known for breaking the Watergate story, uh, reached out on Sunday to reliable sources, uh, talking about why anonymous sourcing is often a critical tool for reporters, Mm -hmm. saying that almost all 200 of our stories about Watergate were based on anonymous reporting. Uh, Reporting is almost uniformly based on anonymous sourcing, in part because that's the only way you can get to the truth. Yeah. So, really, uh, yeah, I thought that was... I was glad to hear this story today, actually, because I, you know, I, you, you see a lot of, like, bad pushback, and this guy's like, I love this guy being like, look, man, this is how journalism works. Mm-hmm. Uh, defend journalism. Just <laughs> a bunch of civically civically disengaged idiots navel-gazing their own, mm-hmm. like, weird bubble. This is one of my darkest Trump stories of the week. Have you seen uh, that Trump and the White House are calling uh, for federal anti-racism training to be ended? Mm. Uh, calling it a sickness that cannot be allowed to continue. Mm. Uh, Trump's decision to eliminate the anti-racist training uh, comes amid a national reckoning on racial injustice uh, the president has firmly opposed. Uh, I mean, I don't see any benefit to why you'd want to get rid of anti-racist training unless you are a dirty racist. Of course. <laughs> so, but, like, this is just, like, a real... This is, like, those subtle things that go under the radar that people don't always pay attention to but just like the removal of small things like this and you do it a hundred times i'm gonna take the opposite tack i think this is one of those loud splashy things you do to distract from real issues Mm. you know what i mean like saying oh we're gonna eliminate this federally with like no plan or no real anything in place you know what i mean all this is like something you kind of say to get people talking about oh look they did this thing while he's out here trying to distract from you know the military story and what he said about the troops and some of these different things going on like that uh, the argument that they give is that virtually all of these trainings uh, say that white people contribute to racism uh, and that these teachings engender division and resentment. Mm. Uh, and I am seeing a lot of defensive uh, white folks about like whiteness lately as well. Uh, and it's funny, we're going to get to the dictionary, uh, the new dictionary words at the end of the show this week. Uh. And I thought that's, that's a nice, you know, non-confrontational segment. The new definite dictionary words. We'll get a laugh about it. And then oh, I read through God them and I was like, oh, dear Lord, this is going to... All right. Uh, do I have one more? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and ignoring elections from uh, warnings from election officials, Trump again suggested earlier this week that supporters should try to vote twice. Uh, again, folks, voting twice is a felony in almost mm-hmm. every state, including North Carolina, where he said this. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, do not vote twice. It is a crime. So just to... Just Quick reminder on that. Uh, I can't take any more uh, Trump stuff, so let's move on to the Doomsday Report for this week. Mm. Uh, Doomsday Report is from Southern California. Uh, Have you seen that all-time record heat across Southern California is fueling fire and threatening supplies? There's a 121-degree reading in in Woodland Hills marking a historic milestone for Los Angeles County. Yeah, yeah. So the heat apocalypse. We don't talk much about the heat apocalypse. but that Climate could, change. That could be the one. It's climate change. It's all of it. These broiling temperatures put extreme pressure on the power grid with malfunctioning, leaving thousands without power and officials warning that rolling blackouts could affect millions of uh, customers, although the threat eventually was averted. But again, the environment, gotta be good to the environment. Earth's mad mm-hmm. at us, guys. Mm-hmm. It's pissed at us. All right, uh, and let's do, uh, I'm done with this guy for the week. My done with this guy is Louisiana Representative Clay Higgins, who put a wild, deranged Facebook post earlier this week threatening to shoot protesters. So Sounds there you go. Right. Shooting protesters. Uh, here's the here's the quote. Look, fair warning. If this shows up, we'll consider the armed presence a real threat. We being we, the people of Louisiana. I wouldn't even spill my beer. I'd drop any ten of you where you stand. Because some of we, like me, are SWAT. Nothing personal. 
we just eliminate the threat. This tweet has a lot of like I am very tough energy. Like <laughs> big big baby dick vibes. Um big baby dick <laughs> big, vibes, huge. I would say. It, like this is one of the, you're talking wild, like, oh, they come here armed, it's gonna be a threat. It's like, yeah, you idiots go armed everywhere with your emotional support pistols. Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> uh he removed the, the swap in Louisiana. Like, I mean, not not to not to make light of what this guy's saying because like he's a scumbag, he's out here threatening, like I don't I hope, you know. I hope that they take him out of his post, whatever else like that. But, like, what an idiot. Well, he doubled down a little bit later. Of course uh, he did. Facebook removed the post for violence and incitement. Mm -hmm. Company spokesman said in a follow-up post responding to the removal, Higgins posted a picture of an American eagle, whined that his liberty was under attack, mm -hmm. and suggested that we are in a war. Welcome to the front lines, ladies and gentlemen. I suggest you get your minds right. I advise when it's time to gear up, mount up, and roll out. I don't know why I'm reading this like he's Jonah from Veep, but like I, it's like this guy. I don't know, man. These are the people you vote in office, Louisiana. So nice, nice work on in you guys. My person of the week. I'm done with this guy, Clay Higgins. I'm so badass, Clay Higgins. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. I said to myself, we're doing a short show this week, so we're only doing like twenty. You always add yourself every we're week. We're on vacation this week. Every week. All right, let's take a break, and we'll come back with the uh, shortened history lesson. I'm going to go out and I'm going to uh, hold the law. Man, you know, I talk about tattoo regret all the time, and this Ben Franklin snake has been the biggest one. Like, people think it's the Don't Tread on Me snake, and I have to have that conversation when people see it. Again, people should engage in history. Dude, you're engaging in history. That's what we're doing right now, guys. Again. Uh, <laughs> we're back are, with more of the Weimar Republic. These are, no, no, no more Weimar Republic. Uh, I just think the Weimar Republic's fascinating. That's all. That's all. Mm. Just, just really made it come to life. I tried. <laughs> it's better with the slides. Man, the slides working. I'll send out my Google slides that go along with it for you folks. Uh, 19 <laughs> That's what they were asking. <laughs> that was it. I feel like I'm good. <laughs> I just miss teaching so much, guys. On this day, that's seven, true. I do. I'm getting a little stir crazy. Hire I'm, Sam to student teacher kids at your house. Yeah, I'll teach them all about the violence. Bring your Republic. kids down to Handshake City. You can be doing history classes down there, remote learning. Uh, on this day, 1776. 1776, the world's first submarine attack happened in 1776. Uh, it's during the Revolutionary War, the American submersible craft known as the Turtle attempted to attach a time bomb to the hull of a British uh, flagship in in New York Harbor. It was considered the first use of a submarine in warfare. They were first built by Dutch inventor Cornelius von Drebbel in the early 17th century, but it was not until 115 years later they were first used in naval combat. Uh, although it was not very successful, uh, a lot of that was due to most of the operator's lack of skill at working the vehicle. They had not really figured out a strong way of navigating this design at the time. Uh, it is still considered the the first submarine attack in the world. I always laugh, like, you never want to be the first at anything. This is the submarine equivalent of, like, uh, 
those dudes in the diving bell suits, right? Like, we're just going to try this out. I think this will be okay, right? Yeah, not for me. <laughs> also, you would imagine this is probably a very small submarine. This is not like your... Oh, yeah. This is like a... This isn't so much a submarine as the, the big, like, cast iron ball, mm-hmm. I would imagine. <laughs> just some big, heavy ball in the water. Is it eight foot long? Oh, it was wooden. It was yeah. eight feet long. Long enough to accommodate one operator, and it was entirely hand-powered. So that seems uh, terrifying. I would hate that. I would hate that so much. Uh, moving on on this day, 1813. Uncle Sam is born. Uh, the United States got its nickname Uncle Sam. This name is linked to a real person, Samuel Wilson, who is a meat packer from Troy, New York. Shout out to Troy, New York for coming up mm. with, with Uncle Sam. He was known for supplying barrels of beef to the United States Army during the War of 1812. Uh, in the late 1860s and 70s, political cartoonist Thomas Nast began popularizing the image of Uncle Sam. Uh, the reason they got that thing was he would send the beef in barrels that had U.S. printed on them. Mm. But instead of United States, which it stands for, the soldiers started referring to them as Uncle Sam's beef. So that's where Uncle Sam mm. actually comes from. I see. Uh, it was Nast who uh, continued to evolve the image, giving him the Uncle Sam image you know today with the suit and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the beard. Uh, interesting, he was a German-born guy who was credited with creating the modern image of Santa Claus as well as coming up with the donkey as the symbol of the Republican Party. Mm. And the elephant. So this man, Mr. Nast, uh, Democratic Party symbol, Republican Party symbol, Santa Claus, Uncle Sam. That's a pretty good... Um, Pretty good credit sheet when you're coming up with your design. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Uh, Nast also famously lampooned the corruption of New York City's Tammany Hall in editorial cartoons and was responsible for the downfall of William Tweed. Boss mm. Tweed. Y'all folks know about Boss Tweed? It's a different history lesson for next week. Get ready. Uh, I feel like Uncle Sam is something I resent because I am an uncle and my name is Sam. It's true. I get that a lot. Makes sense. Uh, I feel like we don't talk much about Uncle Sam anymore, though, right? We see Uncle no. Sam stuff anywhere. No, He's not around. No, World War II is a longer, longer time ago every day. Um, I feel like uh, Rosie the Riveter kind of stepped on his sidewalk as the as the better symbol. I like the Rosie statue. I like the Rosie with the, the bicep better than creepy Uncle Sam with his white beard pointing at you. I think mm. it's a better image. I don't know. See. That's my thought. Uh, all right, this day, 1911. Oh, I'm going to screw this name up so bad. Guillaume Apilnare. I'm just going to call him. Wow. Yeah. Is that bad? Who's this? He's a French guy. Uh, uh, he's a French poet, and he's arrested and jailed on suspicion of stealing Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa from the Louvre. I told you we were getting back to art crimes. I knew it was coming. Mm. Uh, the 31-year-old poet was known for his radical views and support for extreme avant-garde movements, but his origins were shrouded in mystery. Uh, today, it was believed he was born in Rome and raised in Italy. Uh, he appeared at Paris at the age of 20 and quickly mixed into the city's uh, bohemian set. Um, let me see here. The Rotting Magi- let's see. Uh, his first volume of poetry, The Rotting Magician, appeared in 1909, uh, followed by short story collections. He was a supporter of Cubism and published a book about the subject. Uh, the same year, he published his most esteemed work, Al Cools, which he's used for poetic form, which is uh, he has used for poetic forms and traditions to capture everyday street speech. Um, his mysterious background and radical views led authorities to view him as a dangerous foreigner and the prime suspect in the heist. So this is profiling. Talking about mm. some cult, they're like, oh, he's a bohemian and he's not from here. Yeah, yeah. He must have been the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, no evidence surfaced and he was released after five days. Two years later, a former employee of the Louvre, Vincenzo Pergia, was arrested while trying to sell the famous painting to an art dealer. So inside job. 
See? See what's going on here? There it goes. Profiling. There it goes. (laughs) Kevin, my question for you is, do you think you have what it takes to commit an art heist? Certainly. (laughs) There's no question. Yeah, yeah. You're just smash and grab type situation? No, 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 no. The key is, from what I've seen from all these movies, is you can't take the frames off the wall. They're attached. Mm -hmm. So what you need to be able to do is get in there and slice them out with, like, a box cutter and roll them up. You can't box cut the painting. Well, you got to get them out of somehow. Yeah, yeah. What do you got to do? We got plans? Ste- yeah, I do. <laughs> Step one of my plan is not to record myself talking about That's my plan point. on a podcast. Is... Well, if the Mona Lisa ever disappears, is there a don't come looking for me. <laughs> is there a sexier crime than art heist? Tons. Well, I had bank robbery, cat burglar. What's, like, what's the sexiest? <laughs> Explain to me, outside of Catwoman, how cat burglar is a sexy crime. Uh, Catwoman. <laughs> That's my, what are you talking about? Catwoman. I see. I see. There's multiple versions of Catwoman. Number one seems to be a recurring trend. I also, see. I think it would be pretty cool. Like if you were a good cat burglar, you'd be like one of those dudes who's real slick. I feel like like Thomas Crown. He was a had that cat burglar. I guess he was an art thief, right? What's that movie about? Is he Thomas what is Crown? A cat burglar? What is a cat burglar? That's a great question. Let me do, hang on, we're doing some research here on the pod. Uh, cat burglar definition. I think it's just somebody who sneaks around and burgles. I don't think it's like a... Mm. I think it's just slang for your garden variety, like house robber. A thief who enters a building by climbing to the upper story. So you have to climb to the upper oh, stories of I the see. building. So they, so yeah, see, very sexy. You have to have the skills. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have like a grappling hook. Hey home. baby, watch me climb this baby, house. Baby, watch me climb this house. It's very sexy. No, uh, no. So I, so you, I don't know. I'm, so send us your sexiest crimes. Music piracy, is that one? That's kind of sexy, isn't it? Oh, keep trying. Maybe one of these days. Robbing from some sort of like rich intellectual, like Robin Hood style. To give to the poor. Mm, Robin Hood. So Robin Hood, the sexiest criminal. <laughs> Throw it out there for all you folks. Uh, I would like to know if on your little sheet of notes there it says list of sexiest criminals. <laughs> like sexy, no, t- well, I'll tell you who's not a sexy criminal. Is, right. In 1974, it's Richard Nixon. A very, oh, a, a very. A deeply unsexy criminal. Deeply ugly criminal. On this day, 1974, in a controversial executive action, President Gerald Ford pardoned his disgraced predecessor, Richard M. Nixon, for any crimes he may have committed or participated while in office. Uh, Ford later defended his actions before the House Judiciary Committee, explaining that he wanted to end the national divisions created by the Watergate scandal. So we could have we seen a scenario where Pence just... Uh, Pardoned all of Trump stuff if he had gotten sent out, right? That was... Stay tuned. <laughs> Ford, the first president who came to office through appointment rather than election, had uh, replaced Spiro Agnew as vice president only eight months before. I saw somebody, uh, some like, uh, it was like Charlie Kirk or some scumbag talking head, say that Joe Biden is the most corrupt vice president of all time. I suggest Spiro Agnew. I don't know. He's pretty documented as being corrupt. It's true. Treasonous. Whatever, man. Very true. Uh, in a political scandal independent of the Nixon administration's wrongdoing doing the Watergate affair, Agnew had been forced to resign in disgrace after he was charged with income tax evasion and political corruption. So there you go. Mm. Spiru Agnew, the most corrupt vice president. Number one. Number one. Uh, all right. On this day, 2003, in our final history lesson. Wow, 10 minutes. Yeah, that's quicker than normal. Oh, history lessons. On this day, 2003... Uh, the recording industry of America begins suing individual sharers of copyrighted MP3 files. Uh, Nobody likes playing the heavy and having to resort to litigation, said Kerry Sherman, who was the president of the RII. Uh, but when your product is being regularly stolen, there comes a time when you have to take appropriate action. 
project question was music in the form of digital MP3 files being transmitted across internet sharing applications. Uh, and while the RII's uh, idea of appropriate action in response to digital music piracy had previously meant to shut down the operators, they have now transitioned into filing lawsuits against individual users of the system, particularly like children, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and what they're essentially doing here is like the we told you defense. They're out here like, we've been telling you for a long time that this is illegal. Y'all can't be doing this. Uh, and it's not anonymous to do it. Uh, and that's engaging and it can have real consequences. Uh, I was definitely downloading mad music back then. Now, I stand behind this tape. People don't like it sometimes. As a guy who like played in crummy like bands growing up. Sure. And, I think all music, I think the music itself should be free. If you're going to give money to a band, you're generally giving it to them through merchandising or going to see them or supporting them that way. I always feel like the song itself never makes the money, right? That song goes to like the record company, right? Like if you have a hit- That's who's suing, the record company, because they want their money. You don't think they have enough money? I guess this is- How do they continue to have enough money though if they don't charge for what they're doing? Like they're, I don't, I don't like it. And I don't, like it's not, they're the bad guys in the movie, but like at the end of the day, that. That's, that's what piracy is. I always thought to myself, the more people who hear this song, the more people who know who my band is. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way for people to hear my song is just to give it away to them. Which, you is, know what I'm to which is totally fine if you are paying for your own recording studio, your own time, your mm -hmm. own distribution, your own marketing. If you're paying all that, that's your choice. But the contract you mm -hmm. sign with these people is that they allow you to have that platform. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you don't, as the artist, you'd be like, eh, it's my song, man. Cool. But we paid for you to record it. We told people you exist. We made your posters, your logo. We printed the thing. We shipped the thing. We got it distributed. Those people are going to want their money. People be wanting their money. That's yeah. very true. That's uh, something we accept. I mean, we call it piracy. The piracy at the end of the day is stealing. Anytime mm -hmm. anything is piracy, everybody knew it was stealing. You know what I mean? They're a little heavy-handed making an example out of some kids. They're definitely heels for it in the culture, and morally you don't love it, but I get it. Federal law allowed them to seek damages as high as $150,000 per illegally shared, mm. per song, per defendant. That's yeah. wild. Uh, in practice, though, uh, this really was more of a... This, they offered defendants the opportunity to establish a clean slate by destroying all of their illegally acquired yeah. files and paying a settlement of approximately $3 for a legal song. I gotta tell you, even at $3 a song... I was probably getting hit for a lot of money back in that day if for they sure. caught me. Uh, more than three weeks after announcing, uh, they announced that 52 of the 261 individuals uh, had reached cash settlements. In total, 11,191 individuals were sued, and financial settlements were agreed with 2,484 of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so there you go. The end of music piracy. <laughs> I feel like this did sort of die out, though, after a time. Like there, were, I feel like people were, I'm sure people were still using, like, platforms but i don't feel like we talk as much about it anymore people more i feel like piracy for movies became like yeah. a hotter thing now people aren't spotify is cheaper than it's streaming yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why would you, you don't need to download yeah, you don't need to own anything especially anymore especially now like you're on spotify i've been telling you because you download music up until like you just got spotify pretty recently you're like oh yeah. i gotta download this or i found this i'm like it's just all on spotify yeah once you get spotify you, that's why they can get you to pay for it because it's a good deal as a consumer mm -hmm. you know what i mean they charge 10 yeah. bucks a month that's a I say it all the time. That's out of anything you subscribe for. That's my best 10 bucks a month and most useful. Especially now that they've really pivoted and opened a podcast too. Shout out to the Spotify listeners. Yep. We love it. All right. Moving on. 
Uh, here's my video game rant for the week. Oh. Uh, last week I talked about Call of Duty. This week... They're making a Weimar Republic video game? They're not making a Weimar <laughs> Republic video game. Uh, disgusting game brand Ubisoft is apologizing for their new Tom Clancy video game that used imagery to suggest that Black Lives Matter was part of a terrorist plot. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Okay, I'm just gonna, I gotta... I just gotta share this with you for a second. Okay. The, the game is called Elite Squad, and it begins with a narrative laying out the game's premise, which paints protest movements as a front for an organization called Umbra, a global terrorist network trying to take over the world. Okay, bear with me here. Protesters, quote, claim to promote an egalitarian utopia to gain popular support while behind the scenes, Umbra organizes deadly terrorist attacks to generate even more chaos and weaken the government. And then, as they say that in the video, they actually use the Black Lives Matter fist and pop it up on the screen. Well, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> they did take down it all afterwards, but there you go. Uh, so Tom Clancy, you scumbag. I guess he's not the guy. Ubisoft, you scumbags. I mean, they know their consumers. Yeah. What yeah. can you say? Like, that's, that doesn't surprise me. They, yeah, the video game people know their consumers. Know what the gamers are, especially people out here playing this. That's red meat to the base. Ugh, you hate to see it. All right, let's do something a little bit lighter this week. Uh, Dancing with the Stars, 2020. Cool. You ready? Sure. This is the new lineup for Dancing with the Stars. I'm just going to run through some of the people. The big name that people are very excited about is Carol Baskin from mm. the Tiger King on Dancing with the Stars. Mm. I feel that that's weird that that's the biggest get. In this day, like I looked through the list, that's nah, one of the biggest things, though. They don't get Dancing with the Stars has never gotten big, like really big stars. They get people who are like meme in the news. So let's start with Carol Baskins as the as the baseline here. Then, okay, okay. I'll give you the couple of the other people. You tell me whether Carol Baskins is the big draw or this person's better. Okay, first off, how about Monica Adams from the show Cheer? You know what that is? Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin, sure. How about Johnny Weissmuller? No, I'm sorry, Johnny Weir. Who's a former Olympic skater? Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin, really? Uh, people from The Bachelor. Bachelor's Baskin. hot. Baskin. How about us? Uh, I don't even know what that is. I'm going to move right past it. Okay. Former NFL player Vernon Davis. Baskin. Former NBA player Charles Oakley. That's. Oh, uh, I hate to say it, but it is Baskin. And Hayes. Oakley, Oakley in my heart. Uh, Baskin. Sky Jackson. I don't even know who that is. Baskin. Justina Machado. Baskin. Jesse Metcalf, you said he's come back. <laughs> Big time Baskin. Okay. Age Backstreet Boy AJ McLean. Baskin. Wow, really? We know he can dance. TV Ain't nothing to see there. TV host Jeannie Mae. Watching AJ McLean dance since Last but not least, rapper Nelly. Now you now I got a question. <laughs> Is Nelly the guy? Could Possibly. it be Nelly? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Nelly. Nelly's the only one, maybe. The only one. Yeah. <laughs> So Nelly, thank you, Nelly. People are nuts for the for the Tiger King stuff this year. You know what I mean? I know you didn't see it, so like I did not see it. But and people are it's wild. It feels dumb to do it now. It's like it's already happened. The Tiger King thing happened, and I moved. And I didn't see it, and it's gone. And I don't. Chuck, you could chuck it on sometime if you wanted to, but it's not that serious. If you like me, thought that Nelly deserved that number one spot. You too. Are on my side. All right. Uh, here's a funny story about Trump. You ready? We even talk about the five boats that sank on the Trump boat parade in, Amazing. in the lake. Track. I can't believe this wasn't your lead story. This is unbelievable. It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened. I'm glad that nobody's dead so of that I can 110% full, full voicely gloat over this. Oh my God. Uh, have you seen people saying that this was a. That there's like liberal submarines in the water. I've seen people have seen Amazing. like the stretches. 
Antifa. Antifa submarine. Down there in the wooden submarine. <laughs> I did see one guy go out and say, I had too many flags on the boat. The flags is what it was. Like, too much wind because of all the flags messing your boat around. It's not the lead story because I don't know what else there is besides dunking on stupid boat people who got their boat Oh, I mean, this is, this is one of the most... Uh, this is one of the most poignant metaphorical things that's oh, yeah. happened the entire year I mean the fact that these people are out here in the lake and the big giant rich people's boats that these people the small boats are trying to fit in came out there making giant waves without a care for the poor people's boats sank the smaller boats the big boats sank the boats without the smaller boats caring well the smaller boats just wanted to act like they were big boats that's what's going on that's the whole thing that's uh, the whole thing oh man I love it this is gonna be great a, to see this I wish there was be... more video this is going to be a story that people come back to if Trump loses. Like, this will be like a moment. Like, remember this? Yeah. This will be the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's give some props to Metallica. Something we never do on mm. this show. We never give props to Metallica for anything on this show. Interesting. Uh, so I'm doing a segment here called That's Good, That's Bad. All right. Earlier this week, uh, leading up to their release of their new concert album, Metallica, uh, Symphony of Metallica 2, S&M 2, mm. uh, Metallica released a new song. called All Within My Hands. And that song went to number one on the Billboard mainstream rock charts, which now means that Metallica is the first and only band to ever have a number one song in four different decades on the modern rock charts. Damn. The only modern rock, the only band who's ever had number one on mainstream four decades in a row. Good for them. So that's good. So then I just read a little bit more. For Metallica, that brings their total of number one mainstream rock songs to ten, making them just one, one of just six rock acts to have breached the double-digit mark. Mm. You ready to hear some of the other bands? How about Shinedown, who has 16 number one chart-dropping tracks? Really? That's bad. That's bad. Wow. How about Three Days Grace with 15 that number one? That one doesn't surprise me. The people like Three Days Grace. Uh, Van Halen has 13 number one mainstream. That makes more sense, at least, to me. Ooh, Godsmack, 11 number one mainstream rock songs. Disturbed, with 10 of them. And Tom Petty, who also has 10. Uh, so there you go. Mm-hmm. I was happier about this until I was like, well, Shinedown's got 16 of them. So what does that mean for me? I guess really it's more of a longevity thing. Well, right? it's also about the classification of the charts, too. You know what I mean? Like, specifically mm-hmm. this like weird like hard rock where we're just going to sort of... like sequester some of these bands into this arbitrary pen over here. These are uh, the list of number one Metallica mainstream rock songs that made went to number one are as follows. Until It Sleeps from 1996. Mm-hmm. Hero of the Day from 1996. Mm-hmm. Ugh, really? Turn the Page. That makes more sense to me. I feel like that was a big... I feel like people were playing that mm-hmm. song. No Leaf Clover. Why do I not remember that? Mm-hmm. Was that a hit? Uh, I mean... I mean, a number one, I suppose. Yeah. No Leaf Clover. Mm-hmm. Why do I not remember this one? I feel like I... I'm on Metallica S and M. Who's out there? I'm gonna throw it on. The, I'll throw it on the mix this week. <laughs> Don't. Don't. <laughs> Why? If you're gonna throw a Metallica song in the mix, you're gonna throw No Leaf, Goddamn Clover. <laughs> Have some respect for yourself. <laughs> I disappear from the Mission Impossible. Hey, hey, yeah. That's all I remember from that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission Impossible Two soundtrack. Um, then there's some stuff I don't. I don't remember any of these albums. Death Magnetic, Hardwired to Self Destruct. So I'm just gonna move right past them. What's your favorite Metallica song? Oh man, Master um, Puppets. No. Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. It's tough to pick one. Maybe That's Fade tough. to Black. Fade to Black. Maybe. There's a lot. There's too many. It's Battery, maybe. Mm. Just <laughs> Battery's probably the one. All right. Uh, and let's do our uh, our new dictionary words, and we'll call it for today, and then we'll do some other stuff. Here are 
the new words that were added to the dictionary.com's list of 2020 words. Mm. Now, mind you, there are over 15,000 new word updates or changes that were added. So this is just a short list that we found online. Here's the first word, coronation. Mm. You familiar with this one? I mean, I can, I, I see it. Is a corona uh, a coronavirus compelled vacation due uh-huh. to cancel classes, shifts, and the like? Uh, this one's gonna get people mad. Dead white male. There's your word. That's mm. on. Yeah. This that's is not a word. That's a phrase. That's it's provocative. A, it's a slang. Uh, what of a group of white male writers, scientists, or other historical figures whose work have traditionally dominated the field or been a disproportionate part of the school curriculum in the West? Uh-huh. Is abbreviated as DWM. I'd never heard this before. Uh-huh. Number four, community management. Which is the work of recruiting, nurturing, or growing a community online. That doesn't seem like a word. That just seems like a combination of phrases. T- These are phrases. Uh, I'm going to screw this up. Koi sexual? Koi. Koi sexual? Koi fish. Is it like koi fish? No, I don't know no. what the fuck it is. Yeah. <laughs> the sexual orientation <laughs> on the asexual spectrum, it can refer to a person who doesn't relate or understand experiences or concepts of sexual attraction and mm-hmm. orientation. Fair enough. Uh, eco-anxiety. I don't even need the... <laughs> Uh, feeling uh, anxiety caused by the dread of environmental perils, especially climate change. Number seven, germaphobe. Is that not a word before? It's, yeah, we've been had that word. Yeah. Uh, bombogenesis. Mm. Uh, bombogenesis is a noun referring to meteorology as the process that occurs during a 24-hour period when the atmospheric pressure of an extratropical cyclone drops with enough intensity to produce explosive cyclogenesis. Wow. It's a mm. lot of stuff. Cyclogenesis. A lot going on here. Bombogenesis. It comes from cyclogenesis. Uh, number nine, emotional support animal. I guess that just make that an actual phrase. phrase. Yeah. Another phrase. Ten, viral load. Phrase. Uh, the, okay. And uh, 11, tech lash. I like that one, actually. A strong negative reaction backlash against the largest tech corporations, employees, or products. Tech lash. Mm. Sounds like the name of like a 1980s future novel. Like, tech lash. I don't know. That's how I'm seeing it. Seems like they made up a word in their marketing department to, like, sort of whitewash their crimes. And. <laughs> and. That's what it seems like to me. The reason we did this all along, number 12, it's now official Jabroni. Can't believe it took this long. That's right. A jabroni is a slang term for a stupid, foolish, or contemptible person, slash, a loser. This is most popularly used by professional wrestler the Iron Sheik and also popularized by the legendary Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, jabroni. So, congratulations to the Iron Sheik uh, for getting his word solidified in all time. He'll make you humble, you jabronis. Shout out to the Iron Sheik. Shout out to the Iron Sheik. All right. Uh, like I said, yeah, we're about done. We're done here, I think. We've okay. made it to the end of the show. So if you folks want to join us for the last segment, we'll be doing a special edition of FTL for the Lads, a mini Premier League slash NFL preview podcast. If you don't want to listen to that, then enjoy the rest of your, your Labor Day evening and your fresh new week here. Uh, as always, folks, we are happy to have you here. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can there follow me at SF Doom. Uh, always remember to check out our pal Heather. She's on Facebook and Instagram and all those places. She's doing great stuff as always. Out just living, living the dream. Doing great hiking. Incredible quarantine mom. Madeyuga.com, Uticast.com, Handshake.city. You can follow the show at uh, Spotify, Stitcher Pods, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, all the podcast platforms now. Any of them. Spotify Pods are taking over the web. Sign on if you want. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, We will see you next week. Unless you're staying for sports, and then we'll see you in about 30 seconds.
streaming for like 20 minutes and not trying to spend all day. I don't have much for you on sports. I'm not, I don't watch them. <laughs> well, <laughs> these two sports you do. I've limited... Debatable the, on NFL. Well, because you're, da- you're, you're, you're down because Brady's gone. I'm just I, down on sports in general. I think soccer is the only thing I'm actually interested in. But American sports have been kind of sour on. I don't really care for the no crowds. I don't like all the gimmick restarts on everything. I've been kind of burnt yeah, out on all of this just crap about it. So I'm ready for a full, real American season of real sports. So if we get that from the NFL, which I don't think we will, then fine. But if it's more empty stadiums and cancellations and all this well, nonsense about if they're standing or kneeling or whatever, I, was saying, I don't want that shit. I just want to play, watch be, them play football and maybe follow them fantasy. That's I it. I could be wrong here. Sports and the fans are so boring. Is the way it's going with the NFL, I think it's just the teams themselves are deciding like what they want to do for each no venue, idea. I, I think, is I what's think, going on. I think so. Yeah, I believe that's what's going on. So, like, Dallas is saying that they're going to have, like, a certain amount of capacity. Yeah. Whereas Buffalo and New York are like, we're not having anybody there. I think the NFL is sort of just kind of biding its time and waiting it out. How far are we away? Two weeks now? Three weeks? Maybe next week. I don't is know. Is it next week? Well, I don't know. well First off, honestly, I don't. I have no, it's coming up, but I know the Patriots start, are so. playing in the Dolphins just because that told me. But that's honest to God, I have well, not followed much of it. Well, we're gonna do a double football special. We're gonna okay. do a little bit about the Premier League, which starts this weekend. We have already picked our top four teams mm-hmm. and our bottom three teams. Yep. Uh, and because we've done that, we'll go over them and we'll see if anything has changed in the last few weeks yeah. since we decided. Uh, and then that, I have a couple uh, storyline things for the NFL that I wanted to throw by you. Uh, but first, I want to start here. How's your wrist? It hurts. Are you are you bruised yeah, up pretty no, good? From I think our... I either I definitely sprained it. Maybe worse. I'm not sure yet because it hurts ungodly today. I had it wrapped up today and I brought an ice pack with it. But there's definitely. I mean, you can see it. There's I got a big knot right here on my hand. I, I can tell. You showed yeah. it to me when we were golfing. Oh, it's and immediate. It's a straight pain all the way yeah. through my middle finger. Uh, so as I mentioned <laughs> in our earlier segments, Justin and I and uh, Utica Zoo's Mark Simon went golfing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I say it's. I don't go very often. Yep. I mean, so I was using a lot of yours and yeah. Mark's clubs. Yep. Uh, and I had a great time. Yeah, it was know. fun. It was good yeah. weather. Easy. A lot couple of hours. It wasn't that bad being out there. It was slow on the course, so you weren't getting... We had one person pass us, or a group pass us, but that's, that's not inevitable. bad. Yeah, that, uh, but that was a two, per, that was a two, and we had a little bit larger of a group, so whatever. And we got lucky that we had a group behind us... Who was also who worse than was us. also <laughs> slow, and also just chilling, right? Yeah, not very good golfers as well. <laughs> over the over my, my golf experiences over the years... That is the thing that drives me the most, like crazy, is when I got somebody breathing down my ass, yeah. <laughs> trying to force me to go faster. I'm like, dude, I'm not good. Yeah, you so, just like, let I'm them go already through, though. Ba- That's yeah. fine. It's just you let them let them play through. You like never those know two what guys, you... it take, took them 30 seconds to go past us because they hit two those two real golf shots. We're and they good. Were gone. Yeah, yeah. Guys who catch <laughs> you, you are good. Are good. <laughs> yeah. The ones is, who aren't good don't catch you. It's a little disheartening to watch somebody who's good, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. we're out there just hacking, taking shots. I'll put up the... Um... Part of me feels like it's a huge waste of money to be that good at it. Like, you have to spend so much cash to be good at golf. You have to play all the time. You have to buy the clubs and the equipment and all that stuff. I, I don't say, know if I would want to commit that many thousands of dollars to have a nice shot. I'll do it with the bare minimum. You and I would have to go to a driving range. And a just lot. learn to drive. A lot. Like, like all the time. week. All the time. Because yeah. I feel pretty it's comfortable repetition with and all that else. stuff. Uh, but here's the thing. I got our scores here. There are... Okay. I had a 56. So that's about what I expect. It's not great. I think I think it's, I think it's only a 30. These are all balls we played strokes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that's, that's important to note yeah. that this is shot on contact shots. Yeah. Right? You, <laughs> you had a 49. Okay. Yeah, it probably fell apart at the end. 
messed my hand up. Mark had a 48. And what I've noticed, if you look at his score, which people can't see, all of his scores are six or less. There's no fringe seven or eight in there, no tens. Yeah. We were, I felt like we were both pretty fair and honest. Well, you weren't, certainly. Uh, I was. No, I was. I, I had actually, there's a couple good runs in there on my pars. That I, Those are real pars. I'm like, through, <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. I had no par, real pars. Par and we were playing gold tees, too. So, like, getting a par on a par four playing uh, 50 yards closer to the hole <laughs> is easier if you're, like, casually, right? Like, we were going from the white tees, you add a stroke to every one of our shots. I wanted to uh, make fun of you for getting an injury in your wrist, but I woke up this morning and my back is so sore that I can barely move. Mm-hmm. It's real stiff. I don't know what I did to it. I mean, well, I hurt myself on the sixth hole. We had to finish seven holes. What did I do for my last three holes? Five, four, and seven. There you go. So, I mean, I probably, I think I probably golfed better after I hurt myself because I actually had to slow down. <laughs> like, what I was when I hurt myself is because we were lagging behind. Yes. And I was just running over to hit the ball because I had a bad drive. I was like, I'll just play it to push everybody. Like, Because I was behind you guys and everybody was over. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here. We have to move along, right? Like, So the longer I take here, everyone's waiting for me. I'm just going to run over here and whack it. And I was already frustrated about the shot. So I knew on that shot that I should have been taking more time. I shouldn't have been frustrated with my first shot doing it because it was a recipe for disaster. But after I got hurt, I actually had to go slower, take your time with the club, make sure it felt right in your hands, and golf better. So maybe it was a, a benefit. So I hate to admit that I think there's more golf in my immediate future. I think, uh, I yeah. think we're. I think I say I keep laughing. I don't know why suddenly everyone is. It's kinda... just a cost thing. I just like we were, yesterday was fine. Twenty five bucks for nine with a cart. That's pretty okay. Good. Yeah, but if you're doing that every week. That runs up pretty good if you're just trying to go golfing a couple times. You don't want to spend yes. hundred bucks on nine holes four times a week, but you have well, to to get really good at it. Eighteen is I always eighteen bucks a week on golf. I can't. It takes a re- that's the other thing. It takes a really long time to play golf. Mm-hmm. Like it's even if it's just you out there, I feel like you're still kind of yeah. One guy was walking the course. Yeah, walk. That's yeah. uh that's commitment. I'm gonna walk the course. Walking you... freaking Stonebridge. Come on. That's a that's a workout though. Like that's the that's how masters. you get a workout from golf. I'm going to walk the course as opposed to drive the cart. Yeah. When you drive the cart, you're like us. You're there for all the peripheral things. Like, we're going to have, you know, beers and yeah. sit down and chill and listen Take to music lately. Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, if you're out there walking the course, you're a different type of dude. You're a different, yeah. different type of player. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, there you go. Golf. Uh, we think we've been cheated, but we won't. We won't, we won't hold <laughs> I it mean, against. I didn't know we were even keeping score like that anyway. So I mean, Mark was the one who marked it. So I thought that was a cop out answer, by the way. I always keep score. I, I never need to, keep score. I need to know what I did. I got to be able to look back. That's not a real back. score. You were hacking and reducing and dropping and not counting them. So what's the point? Nobody. <laughs> because I hack. Those re- aren't honest scores for me. Because anybody. I hack and reduce and do that for every game. So I'm doing it for all the games. It it's score. not an honest score. You have a. Not on a score. That's true. So you're telling people you shot a 57. 56. You're fired! <laughs> <laughs> ball I mean, on contact. I mean, we've you talked, shot a 56. We talked you about hit it. the ball forward. We've talked about 56 it 56 times. I am a one-time guaranteed golf cheater who was caught. It's admitted. I talked about it on the pod. I was caught cheating. By a random yeah, in Ohio. Yeah. So, I mean, it exists in But the we world. were, like, keeping score but being, like... Don't count that one, right? Like, so we were keeping score, but we weren't keeping score. I think what we were going, we were going with, is like Mark's like, what's the last three holes you guys got? Uh, I don't know, six, five, and one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, if I'm just holding one on all three of them, then <laughs> I feel like if I get a ball that goes in the air and it's a decent shot, even if it's not mm. on target, 
I got to take it. I'm like, okay, that's the yeah. shot, right? Yeah. I'm not taking a mulligan just because I don't like where the ball landed. Well, in theory, I mean, you know probably mean? only supposed to get a mulligan the entire per game. Per game, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah all yeah. game. We were uh, doing... Per hole. Per multiple per hole. Per hole. All right, let's, uh, let's, I said we want to go 20 minutes, we're eight. So let's get into soccer. I want to do some soccer. Premier right. League starts this weekend. It is, uh, it's been a really short offseason. Really season. narrowing your audience down here, aren't you? <laughs> we're doing the segment last. Okay, We've already was, finished the whole show. So. It's real niche Utica uh, soccer fans here. Uh, no, so. Uh, Premier League specific. Um. <laughs> It's well, really narrowing it down. Do you like this one particular thing? Yeah. Is this doing it for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's no other soccer we're going to talk about, just specifically English Premier League. All right. So. Well, let's, let's start with, first off, let's start with your team. It was announced today yep. that the long-rumored transfer of Colombian sensation James Rodriguez to Everton is confirmed. Uh, this following the transfer of... The, the Allen midfielder yep. from Napoli people loved, and the still-rumored appearance of uh, Decore. Decore yeah, yeah, there's legal crap, I guess, over Brexit and some other things about being in the country and all that type of stuff, so I think they just have to work out some legality crap. So my question for you is, you said to me last year, mm-hmm. when we finished watching this season, that it was a really disappointing Everton season. Yeah. The worst since I've been watching. So, Most disappointing. So glass half empty, glass half full. Is there only one way to go? No. You no. think it can get worse? Yeah. Even with all big the new signings, signings lead you to big, big failures. failures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pickford's still the goalie. The Calvert-Lewin's still the striker. So the guy who's going to stop goals is Pickford, and the guy who's going to score him is Lewin? That's good enough? I don't care who you put in between them. At the end of the day, those two guys have big responsibilities, and they stink. So... Like, Lewin should be on, like, a Newcastle, and Pickford should play for Burnley or something. Well, Pickford's These gonna... shit teams on the periphery. Not won't... at the topper-ish. I'm going to put Everton a little higher. But Pickford is not good enough to be an Everton goalie if Everton wants to go places that they want to go. Uh, according to the preview that I'm going with, which is from 442.com, if you folks want to see it, uh, most people are believing that Everton, your team, and mm-hmm. Southampton, our joint favorite team, <laughs> yeah. uh, are most likely to trouble what is now considered the top Eight, eight of yeah. the teams that's yeah. in there, which you would say is the defending champions, Liverpool. I don't like Wolves. Manchester City, United. They get Wolves in there? They did. The Wolves are an eight. What a bunch of shit. So here you go. So let's run down the top eight teams. I think it's a good place to start. The top eight teams from last season yeah. and what we think is going to happen. Based so, on last season specifically. Number one is Liverpool, who defeated won the title. I've mm-hmm. talked a lot about the pod. We don't need to dig into it. I am one of those panic-stricken fans on Liverpool who is waiting for a transfer for some kind of action in the transfer market, you tell me I don't need transfer market yeah. stuff. Cause... I mean, you're one out of 31, so you might go one out of 32. Yeah. So, I mean, you didn't yeah. win for 30 years. To expect to win this year is nonsensical. <laughs> uh, you lost 30 in a row. Just because you won one doesn't mean you should just assume they'll win another one. They couldn't do it for 30 tries. It well, could be another 30. Who knows? Well, according to that article, we saw they're doping on they're apple doping, juice and caffeine. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they're not going to go another 30 years, but I don't think it's a surefire thing they win this year. One of my favorite uh, my favorite current team in the world to root for, like a team I'm the mm-hmm. most invested in, a, they've won the Champions League, they've won the Premier League after this 30-year run. I am inclined to believe, as a cynic mm-hmm. of my own team, that there is only one way to go from here, and that is down even a little bit. I did yeah, probably. Pick, I did pick Liverpool. It was our, almost, it wasn't, fluke's not the right word, but going undefeated the way they did was kind of fluky. It over-enhanced I mean, how well they probably are. So when you're looking at these transfers, you might mirror, right? I mean, like, I, they're not going to go 25-0 again. 
No, to start the season. But it's we not said happen. that last year when they had that run at the end of the season the year before. There's like, there's no way they can. Yeah. They were better this year than they were last year. But, but January first on, they weren't nearly as good as. That's correct. So like, and if you're looking was... at Jin now to now, that team does not look nearly as good as Jin last year to Jin this year. And the pessimist in me will say that once play resumed from from COVID, yep, Liverpool did not look like the same. And they team. didn't, and they were already clinched, but there was still some mostly concern. clinched. Yeah. There was still some concern. They got knocked out of Champions League before COVID. That's a little concerning. Um, Do you think that Manchester City, the number two team last year, who was behind 23 points to Liverpool, are going to win the Premier League this year? Are I they going to overtake Liverpool? It falls Liverpool? into my other thing that I think Liverpool being 23 points ahead of them is a bit fluky. I don't think that's accurate. The year before, City was a wild amount of points ahead of them. It's a strange... Two years ago, yeah. they were 19. Yeah. And then the year last year, they were won two points yeah. and then Liverpool yeah. won by a lot yeah so I don't so think that they're necessarily that many points better than each other mm-hmm. um, I don't know City like it's different because you have to explain all the Champions League stuff if you're going to do this City probably didn't care as much about the Premier League this year versus the Champions League especially early on when they lost a bunch of games and they had their injuries do they come back wanting to win the Premier League because of this I don't know if they care. They've already won it a bunch of times. I think they want Champions League, and it doesn't really matter if they win the Premier League or not. Have the Dodgers won the World Series recently? <clears throat> no. I was going to say, Manchester City has a little bit of, like, the Dodgers vibes to me. Even though they win more, it's like, I feel like they they could be better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they, last year, maybe was I mean, a fluke. They were still scored more goals than anybody in the Premier League and had, like, an insane goal differential. So if you looked at goals scored versus goals given up, they were they would have looked like the best team in Europe. But some reason, they lost a shit ton of games. I don't understand it. But they scored over 130 goals or something last year. Uh, most people believe that Manchester United and Chelsea are going to challenge these two teams at the top. It's probably Chelsea. Chelsea has the biggest signings over the last three months. I would say they they're also Timo still champions from not long ago. Like they're That's not correct. that far away from also winning the Premier League. Like. Three years ago. It's hard not to root for Chelsea if you're an American fan who doesn't have a, mm-hmm. a hardcore affiliation to another team because yeah. they have the greatest American player we may have ever seen, Christian Pulisic. Yeah. They've signed a lot of really exciting young talent this year. They already had a nice base of players. I think, again, high expectations equal big disappointments. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, They're expected to spend and have the players so like there's no excuse for it so like what's a disappointment for them they finished what fourth this year and that's disappointing that's champions league well correct but so like of these two teams manchester united and chelsea teams that have a lot of hype behind them they're not quite there who would you bank behind to make the step first this chelsea team or this manchester united team i'd almost take both of those teams over city and liverpool they're very interesting in their similarities they both have managers who are former players yep they both... Uh, I see a world where they're 1-2 and two for most of the year this year, and Liverpool yeah, and City I, are kind of hovering on the outside of it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if both of these teams are all of a sudden fantastic. I would be. I would love... <clears throat> I wouldn't pick Man United against Chelsea. I don't know if I... Man United's midfield, Chelsea, everything else. <laughs> Is <laughs> that fair? Like, can, I, can I make this one Yeah, team? can I merge? Because right. Chelsea can't... Uh, Pogba, Bruno... Um, McCominy, all those type of guys. That midfield is better than anything Chelsea would wield, I think. I yeah. guess you have to see what they do with their new players. But I like Werner and Pulisic and these guys on the offensive side that I don't think United has. I think Chelsea is But a then bit De Gea more... is better than anything Chelsea has, right? So they're mixed and matched pieces. They're here. very interesting. I, I would love to see all these teams come back into a bit of a... Like, Chelsea doesn't have a goalie right now, right? It's unannounced. <laughs> it's what the position's labeled as, TBD. This is not, this is not a hot take, right? Um... 
every year for the last couple of years, it feels like for the most part, these races have not been close. One yeah. or two teams, and everyone's always yeah. looking for this glorious day when we're There's gonna have never multiple some teams going for it. Multiple, and, and it doesn't tend to happen all that yeah. often. Even it just last doesn't. year, it yeah. was one game going for fourth and fifth place type right. of deal, and it wasn't even the prime stuff, right? But it was still yeah. technically at the end of the week, someone was fighting for something. It was just a couple spots down from first. Yeah. So. I certainly would be more stressed out, but from a outsider <laughs> standpoint, like I think there is potential to see a more tightly compacted top four, top six this year where everyone feels a little more in it, at least for a longer stretch in the season. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I hope. It depends on, I mean, everybody starts, I mean, that was City last year. They just had a bad start and they never made up the ground. So if someone, one of these four teams, Liverpool, City, United, or Chelsea come out and lose freaking three games off the bat or two losses and a draw, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because these other teams are going to win their first three games, you know? So it might be an... Who knows? Well, okay, so let's move down to the next two teams, which we'll sort of compare in the same way. Uh, that is uh, Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, who, in their mind, feel like they're moving in the right direction, but people are sort of wondering what the upper the upper end of this team. They did win the FA Cup this year. Yeah, FA yes. Cup champions. And something else. They have two trophies. That's right. And uh, expectations at Tottenham are also sort of up and down under Jose Mourinho. Tottenham yeah. feels like they're sort of... In the same spot they've been for the yeah. last few seasons, They're just sort of moving. Always, yeah, just the same old shit. I don't trust Arsenal, um, but I would rather... Arteta didn't have the full season, and they were obviously better when he came in. He came in for a what's-his-face halfway through. That's right. Uh, so yeah. I think it's one of those things, too, where it's like, looks... Uh, Ole came in half-season for United. They looked really good. Maybe you get a little hangover blues next and be like, wait, did we make the right choice here? <laughs> now with a full season and a full budget and a transfer window... Is this the guy we want? But I think Arteta is way different than that. He's a pep guy. With Tottenham, it comes back to Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Mourinho's like the Belichick of yeah. Premier League coaches. Yeah. Like, I can't sit. I don't want to be the guy who says Mourinho's done. I mean, He's Tottenham's got... done. It's not Mourinho. Even Mourinho is not going to get them past eighth place this year. That's my take. I don't think they've done anything to justify being in any conversation to be above even Wolves and Everton. Uh, and the last they signed or anybody, nobody, nobody. Uh, and then the last two teams who we had above Everton as a potential top eight teams are Leicester City and the Wolves. These are like hipster teams, I feel like. Leicester's kind of taking a hit. Leicester's the heading back down. Yes. And the Wolves, I think, is gonna, they're starting to lose guys now. So yeah. I think they had a nice little thing where they get all the Portuguese guys nobody knew about or wanted. And they got them in there. And then everyone's like, ooh, we want these guys. Now they took them. And now they have to restack. And they're going to have that uh, Southampton problem. They're going to lose all their guys. And then they're going to regroup with young guys. And then they're going to lose all their guys. And they're going to regroup with young guys. Same Leicester, same thing. This happens a lot with upstart young teams in lots of sports. They're the right? new Southampton. That's what I'm calling them. But I think this happens in other sports too, right? You have a team who is full of young talent, yep. and they're interesting and exciting. They are not good enough to win a title. No. For a couple years, they might be hanging around until people start seeing it and poaching and their stuff. Poaching. Yeah. You, you only yeah. have so long yeah. before people realize what you have. Yeah. And I think that you have a team like Sheffield United last year who comes into the Premier League, and they're kind of a surprise and now this year, if they're even slightly yeah. okay, I don't even think are they getting people. Them, they're not. Yeah, they'll get. They have, they've lost nobody yet. Not right? yet. They didn't get plucked yet. But if they stay good, if they, <laughs> they end will. up better than Wolves right. this year, they're going to end up like Wolves. They're going to be just like yep. it. You have to have a certain level of success before yeah. people feel like they can't just come take yeah. your stuff. I mean, stuff. a little bit of it happened to Leicester when they won the title. They lost uh-huh. Mares, um, Maguire. You know, all their guys got plucked after they won. They won the title. So we're not going to do football because we're twenty minutes right now. So we'll end right here. <laughs> Uh, with just our Premier League preview, your initial four picks. Yes. 
My top, top four. four. As my favorites or to my top... Okay. Your top I see, four I see, to I see, win... Yeah, okay, okay. You said Chelsea yep. to win the title. Yep. Tottenham, Manchester United... Did I say And Tottenham? Liverpool to I'm qualify for Tottenham. Champions League. And then you said Everton and Manchester City for I'll Europa I'll switch Tottenham League. with Everton. Tottenham with Everton. Yeah, if I had to redo it. <laughs> okay. I was drinking the Mourinho juice because of that Amazon doc. <laughs> that, uh, they're get, they said they're giving uh, the last dance treatment to Mourinho. He's always deserved. So. I, I had picked uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United, Man City as my top four. I picked Liverpool to win. I'm in a weird spot here. I don't like picking my favorite team to win. I would prefer that I don't have to pick them to win. I can't. I don't feel good jumping on Chelsea because it feels like the team that everyone's jumping on yeah, as like the hot they, team. They also, like I was saying, they just won the title three years ago before Liverpool and City type or four years, whatever, right? So before this Liverpool, <clears throat> is United can United win the title? I'd be more willing to bet that Oli doesn't last a season than like Pog was probably Dunzo. He's got one year left. He wants to go back to Hoovy. Yeah. So, so either they do something now, or they lose them next year for nothing, or in January or whatever. Pogba might not even make it all year. Ole might not make it all year. If Pogba doesn't make it all year, and I still think they got a couple. Like De Gea is fine, but that defense isn't great. Hmm. I don't know. And who's still scoring for them? Isn't that still the problem? Like who's their goal scorer? Martial? He's gone, right? All right, folks. That was our FTL mini preview of the Premier League this year. For folks who are excited, or who made it through the rest of the show. <laughs> Uh, Premier League returns this Saturday, September 12th, as Liverpool takes on the new and exciting Leeds United with their return to the Premier League to start the season. Nice softball for them. Nice softball. Everton, you are starting with Tottenham. Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> Quite Jeez. a matchup. Yeah. Put us right in the middle of the pack where we belong right off the bat. I think we're... <laughs> a 1-1 draw, us and Tottenham right in the middle of the table. This Perfect. is one of our counter-programming <laughs> episodes where we have to decide which of these two matches we want to watch because I think they're on at the same time. We'll do screen. Uh, all right, excellent work, Justin. Let's yeah, no go. Uh, let's go relax. Uh, thanks, folks, for sticking around. If you did for the rest of this FTL Sports Mini Pod. Oh, is that what the whole, is this the segment or the whole show? So me and Kevin did the first two segments. Yeah, and then people can leave. And then I if they want to hang around for, for these sports, twenty couple minutes, I thought you sports. Sports. No, you're not doing the whole sports show. No, no. God, no, no. This is thought this it was is a my labor sports week. This is a Labor Day sports gift <laughs> for me. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, folks. Uh, again, thank you very much for being here. Uh, again, streaming on all platforms. Follow us at Uticast. We are on Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the different platforms. Instagram. Why am I forgetting all the social media platforms? I trash. Made Utica.com, Handshake.City. Uh, we appreciate you. Shout out everybody else, and uh, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks.